Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. So as you've already heard, we had quite a phenomenal weekend last weekend and it it carries on. Uh, But during staff meeting and the week leading up to uh, Heart for the House, uh, we prayed for this thing. And I remember one particular individual praying out that the response to Heart for the House wouldn't just be good, it wouldn't just be great, but it would be miraculous. And that was really the word we used to identify what God is doing in this church in this season, that that $175,000 is a miraculous amount for us to be sowing into what we believe God is doing. And so we need to be grateful for that. But more than that, we need to be excited for what that means. We need to be excited for what that translates into because Jesus shared this truth. He shared this truth and one of his disciples, Luke, recorded this truth that Jesus shared. And he recorded it in Luke chapter 16, verse 10 to 11. He said, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. So if you have not been trustworthy handling worldly wealth, who can trust you with true riches? So it says there, if you cannot be trustly with worldly wealth, which he's speaking about finances, about material, which isn't necessarily evil on its own, but it's often the thing that people choose to trust more than God. And so Jesus is saying, if you can't be trustworthy with this, then you won't be trustworthy with, with the true riches. So the problem, the problem or the challenge is not that you can buy true riches. You can't buy heaven. It's not actually about money. It's about where your heart is. And money is the most common thing we sell our hearts short for. And so we can be excited because Jesus said that if we can be trustworthy with worldly wealth, if we can sow into that, if we can place our hearts in His hands and not in the hands of finances, then we can be trusted with true riches. And last week, we placed a stake in the ground as a church family to establish that we are going to be trusted with true riches. So now we can go forward with an anticipation and expectation of true riches. And that is a season I believe we're entering into, a season of true riches, a season full of the things that really matter. True riches are the life-giving moments where people, some for the first time, feel loved and accepted not only by the community around them, but their Creator in heaven. True riches are when people step into and come alive in their God-given purpose. True riches can look like emotional and physical healing. And I loved Yvonne. That was very brave and courageous of you to share tonight. And all the introverts in the house know that meant more than others. That was really powerful. But I remember another time where I was on the prayer line after a church service and a a woman came up and she uh, shared a similar process. I was like, what can I pray for? And she just uh, shared that she was bulimic. And as she shared that, she just started breaking down in front of me. And so I just declared truth over her and then prayed for her. And then she left that room. And I found out through a couple of people a couple of weeks after then I had the privilege of, of meeting her again about three months later. And she shared that when she walked out of that room that day, from that point going forwards, every room she walked into, she no longer compared herself to every other woman in the room, but she was able to celebrate everyone else because bulimia is not a food issue, it's a you issue. 
It's that I don't like what I am, so I'm going to try change myself. But God did a work in her that day, and that is true riches, a life transformed. True riches is the story of a young man who is a struggling alcoholic, finding his identity in alcohol, which eventually robs him of his marriage. But he, but he is reminded of the truth that he has a purpose in God, that he's been created for something so much greater, and he's able to step into his identity. He's able to walk away from the chains of alcohol and he's begun to not only rebuild his life, but allow God to take it to places he's never been. That is true riches. True riches, and it's not reserved just for young people. Jazz McConnell got up last week and shared an amazing testimony of her decision to, to, to do an internship that she had, she had always had a relationship with God, but she made a decision to lay everything down to, to become everything that she's created to be. And in that journey, she's had the privilege of seeing her works, her people at work healed. Uh, she's seen the privilege of, of ministering the power of the Holy Spirit in public places. We went out as an intern team a few weeks ago and we were just sharing testimonies after and Jazz just shares a testimony of she got to pray for this woman um, just in the middle of town and she said she just felt like electricity going through her and the woman that she was praying for and then she just felt to bless her with a bit of money and the woman just started crying because she said that she had her grand granddaughter or grand son's birthday that day, but didn't have the finances to buy him a gift or her a gift, and now she did. That is true riches right there. That's what we are expecting. And a personal favourite of mine is just, uh, I remember a time where a young adult who uh, spends a large portion of his time by himself has, has minimal relationship, if any, but he, he got invited out to a young adult's event similar to what we're running on Tuesday. And it was a young adult's event and uh, he managed to pull off this bit of a fluke thing, what we're doing. I won't say what it is because I'll expose it. Uh, but he just pulled off a bit of a fluke. And in this moment, he was jumping up and down, celebrating as all the young adults around him were celebrating him. And I don't know if he's ever been celebrated by his peers in his life, but he was in that moment. That right there is true riches. That is what we're expectant for. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came to bring life and life abundantly. And I want you to know the greatest joys in this life is to position your life in such a way to see others experience the true riches of heaven. It is when you lay down your life to be part of the process of bringing people out of darkness, fear, isolation, and into the purpose, hope, and life so that they can understand they are loved, valued, and, not, and known not only by their creator, but also by their community. So for tonight, we felt to continue to put some words to the heart and the vision of what we believe like believe that God is going to do in this next season. And there's a few things, there's four things specifically we felt like are going to be indicators of this season, just like jackets are indicators of winter and jandals are indicators of a summer, unless you're Jordan Short, who wears them all year round. We, we, we feel there's four things that, that are going to be indicators of this season. And the first indicator of that is an increase in people an increase in people. Last night, the Crusaders bet the Hurricanes, which was statistically inevitable since we've never lost a home playoff. And around 16,000 people showed up to that. And that's a pretty awesome event. I used to always go to the rugby when I was younger, back at Jade Stadium or Lancaster Park. If, if people don't know what that is, that's a stadium that's currently being demolished. And I actually I googled the capacity this week and 
got a bit sad, to be honest. It's the saddest I've felt that that stadium's going because I had so many amazing memories there. And that sat 38,000 people. And the last time I was there was for the All Blacks Wallabies and it was a sold-out game in, I think, 2010. And it's, there's something special that happens when a large group of people gather together. There's something special that happens. And do you know why 16,000 people showed up to the rugby last night? Do you know why 38,000 people showed up to that game? They showed up to that game because there was something valuable there. There was something valuable there. They cared about what was happening there. They cared about the result and what was going to take place. They cared so much that they wanted to make sure they were going to be there. And they even paid a price to be there that day. There is something of value there for them. People are drawn to what is valuable. And Matthew, uh, Matthew is another follower of Jesus like Luke, and he also recorded what Jesus did here on earth, and he shared uh, this one time where Jesus taught a parable, and a parable is basically a story which then has a spiritual or moral truth applied to it. And so Jesus teaches this parable, and Matthew records it in chapter 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he sold all he had to buy that field. And for me and countless others, this is their story of what it is to to either walk into a church building or, or meet a Christian or meet someone who displays the nature of the kingdom. And all of a sudden you discover this thing about like, I actually have a purpose, that I have been created, that I didn't just evolve from a fish to an ape to a human. I was actually created, shaped, and formed for a purpose. And this is the kingdom of heaven. And when I discovered this, I was willing to walk away from everything I knew, to sell everything I knew and that I was, to possess this thing of relationship with God, that which I was created for. And this was a story for so many other people, but this is a story of value. This is a story of being able to see the value of the kingdom of heaven and being willing to pay the price for it, being willing to show up for it. People are drawn to what is valuable. And there is nothing more valuable in this lifetime than relationship with our Creator. But how well are we revealing that to the world? How well are we revealing that light to the world? We are the light of the world, but how well do we shine that light? We believe it is our challenge to learn to reveal the eternal value of the kingdom of heaven. And as we reveal that eternal value, people will come. 1,600 gathered last night because of value, and we believe God is inviting us to live and communicate the value of the kingdom of heaven and relationship with God in such a way that people can see it for what it is, a treasure worth laying down your whole life for. Last week, our church family pledged to give $175,000 on top of their regular giving. And they did that because they recognized that there is something of value that God is doing here. There is a treasure worth investing in. And the more we serve, sow, and partner with that heavenly value that is being established, the more we're going to see the increase. And that's important because there's a lot of people who do not know they're loved, do not know they're significant, and do not know that they are valued by God that created them. There's something of heavenly value growing in this place. And as we continue to grow, you're going to see more people coming and asking the question, why? Why? So first, I believe one of the markers for the season is going to be an increase in people. And secondly, I believe there's going to be an increase in people entering into life-giving relationships. 
And I, uh, ever since I've became a Christian, like my life has just transformed. And I've just had the privilege of being a part or, or hearing about so many amazing, life-changing, life-giving moments that take place around my life and around the lives of the people here in this church. And I can, I can tell you an, un, an, an uncountable amount of times where... Uh, especially there's something really special about finances when someone's willing to sow finances into someone else because finances are a representation of your time and your life. You sell your life to gain finances. And when you give finances to someone else, you are giving part of your life to them. And I've been involved in countless amounts of life-giving relationships where, where, where either myself or a group of us have decided to sow into another individual and you're crying and they're crying and there is life being transferred in that moment. There is belief and love being transferred in that moment. I believe that is gonna be a marker of what God is gonna be doing in this season, an increase in life-giving relationships. We're a daughter who is, who is hurt by her parents, who is, who, like, and that probably applies to most girls in this room. Because our parents, uh, we have to grow in our love for them. We have to, the Bible teaches us to honour our parents. It's the only people the Bible teaches to honour because they're the most difficult people to honour. But, but, but life-giving relationships where a daughter who has been hurt and disappointed chooses to honour her parents and value them for who they are, for what they've done for her, not everything that they haven't done for her. And in that moment, there is a life-giving transaction. There is tears. There is a heart-to-heart connection. For the first time, a daughter is restored back to her parents' hearts, maybe not since she was five or six, or maybe 10, I don't know. But there's going to be an increase in life-giving relationships. Maybe where an unemotional father for the first time opens up to his kids and learns how to communicate love with them, communicate value, edify his son, edify his daughter for who they are. Life-giving relationships. I hear in a part of many moments where hope has been spoken into brokenness and discouragement and in return, forgiveness and faith grow. Every week, people are inspired to grow in their God-given purposes by the encouragement of other individuals who love and believe others because they recognize the joy of sowing into someone else's confidence and in turn, their future. We believe there is going to be an increase in life-giving relationships where people who have always struggled to, to, with feeling known or valued will feel so known and so valued and so loved that they will lay down their life for others to feel that. I went on a missions trip in 2013 to South Africa and it was just a radical time. Uh, it was so full on. It was, we were just running meetings in churches and schools. We were going out on the streets and it was meeting, food, event, food, meeting, food, sleep and repeat for like 12 or 13 days. And it was an amazing experience. But like with anything on life, uh, some people get opportunity and some people don't. And so some people on that trip got the privilege of preaching uh, to large congregations and other individuals didn't who perhaps wanted to. And so this is a challenge we face in life and every day people getting opportunity that perhaps we wanted. But I remember on the final night of the missions trip, we were standing on a hill in Cape Town, overlooking Cape Town, and uh, our host said to us, he said, you know, one of the most amazing things about this trip has been watching you guys. I haven't seen an ounce of competition between you guys this whole time. All I've seen you do is celebrate one another for everything that you are. The mark of a life-giving relationship is when people doing life together realize they are not designed to compete with each other, but they have been designed to complete one another. 
Everyone here, will, everyone here will know what it is to be cut down by someone else's words or actions. Everyone. To have a relationship based on insecurity or fear where there's only one person who can be happy or significant. We've all had those sorts of relationships. And as I share, there may be some already coming to your mind right now. But that is going to come to an end for many in this room as the increase of life-giving relationships becomes the normal. We believe there is going to be an increase in life-giving relationships where people believe in one another, speak life and build each other up into everything God has created them to be, an increase in the way people care and show value to one another. It is through, it is through the love and the value we show each other, it is through the life-giving relationships that people reveal the nature and the heart of God to those around them. First of all, we believe one of the indicators of this season is going to be an increase in people. And second of all, an increase in life-giving relationship. And third, we believe there's going to be an increase in people entering into a life-giving relationship with their Creator. Another term for this is salvation. And salvation is when someone realizes they've been created by God and they have a purpose. And secondly, they believe that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, they have access to this life of purpose. And three, they make a decision to place their faith in Jesus and what he said in order to begin that relationship with their creator. We believe there's going to be an increase in people coming into a life-giving relationship with God. But all this is supernatural. All of this just happens like the gospel that is the gospel what I described to you and it just happens over and over whether we partner with it or not people are just going to get saved but there is an invitation to see more people saved if we're willing to partner with it my mother she grew up in a family uh, there was no Christians in her family and she was in England and she, uh, she ended up having a life-giving relationship with a friend uh, who was also working as a nurse and she began to see that there was some substance to this Jesus thing. She began to see there's some substance to there being a God. And so she was weighing these things up and one day she was walking home from work and she was walking past a post shop in England and in that moment she felt a shift inside of her heart and all of a sudden she felt like her faith was placed in God and her eternity was secure in Him, that she was saved in that moment spontaneously. And this is like this is just how the gospel works. Like people just get saved and we are invited to partner with it. My dad has a similar story where he also grew up in a family where no one was Christian, but he was in, he was in America and Florida working as an electrician, and he was uh, working with some Christians, and again, there was another life-giving relationship, and there was a point where one of his workmates challenged him on the reality of Jesus and whether he believed in him or not, and so shortly after that, my dad went home one night, got on his knees beside his bed and just prayed that he would know God, and my dad has an amazing story. <laughs> Yeah, he had it. He lived, he lived a childhood that, that I know I wouldn't have got through. But God got him through somehow. And then at the age of around 24, he got on his knees and he asked the Lord into his, into his life. And for the first time in his life, after, after being abused, kicked out of his home, sent to foster homes, he felt the love of God. And in that moment, his whole life was transformed. And he went from an alcoholic to one of the most integral men you'll ever know. That is the gospel. That is the gospel, that is Jesus. It happens and it continues to happen and we are invited to be a part of that. We're invited, invited to be a part of that. People, 
are entering into life-giving relationships with God all the time. It's supernatural and it will happen whether we partner with that or not because the gospel is more than human wisdom. It is of God, but we are created and invited to partner with that and see that increase. We were, we were not created to be powerless bystanders in this life. We were created to be significant and influential on this earth, and we have the privilege to partner with what God is doing in this season. We have the privilege to create opportunities where people can experience the life-giving nature of their Creator and place their faith in Him. But not only that, we get to encourage others in their journey as they grow in that relationship. I, I owe a lot to John Cameron for those who know him because he created a space in which I was able to walk into and I was able to meet God. I was able to be saved in that place. And we are invited to create spaces like that where people can come into a life-giving relationship with God. God has always been moving. People have always been entering into life-giving relationships. But there is an invitation in the season for us to partner with that, to steward what God is doing and see it increase. So one, I believe there's going to be an increase of people as we begin to expose the value of the kingdom. And two, I believe there's going to be an increase in life-giving relationships as we stop competing with one another and we begin completing one another. And three, I believe there's going to be an increase in people coming into a life-giving relationship with God as we begin to make space and trust God for the miraculous. And fourth and finally, if the band could come up, the difference uh, is purpose. The difference between those who live with a sense of purpose and those that don't is the difference between living a life of meaning or a life of apathy. It's the difference between living a fulfilled life and an empty one. Living with a sense of purpose is the difference between becoming who you were created to be or failing to become who you were not. Living with a sense of purpose is so valuable that for some it is literally the difference between living or not. A well-known American doctor and author called Bernie Siegel found that he could predict which one of his cancer patients were most likely to go into remission. And if you don't know what that means, to go into remission with cancer means for that cancer to go away. So it's a good thing. And he recognized he was able to predict which one of his patients was most likely to go into remission by asking this one question, which he asked, do you want to live to 100 do you want to live to 100? And he said, those that responded with a deep sense of purpose, they responded yes with a deep sense of purpose. He could, he could uh, judge in that moment they were most likely to survive their cancer because they had a reason to live. They had a purpose. And that's what I believe the fourth thing that God's going to be inviting us into, the fourth indicator in this season is people stepping into their divine purpose, not just living, but coming alive. For these people specifically, their fight was their fight, their life was found in understanding they not only had a purpose to live for something that was greater than themselves, and that not only affects how you live, but it affected them whether they lived. We believe that in this next season there is going to be an increase in purpose. 
It was because of purpose that we had such a miraculous offering last week. It's because of purpose that we've had hundreds of people come into a life-giving relationship with God. It's because of purpose that we're here tonight. And I believe in this next season, there's gonna be an increase in the level of purpose that people are living in. And because of this, we're gonna see an increase of life in this place because life flows when purpose is revealed. Life flows when purpose is revealed. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This word here, plans, it doesn't mean a tightrope. It doesn't mean if you take one step to the left and it doesn't work out, then your whole life has failed. This word here, plans, is more indicative of purposes, that God has purposes for you, and they are not to harm you, they are to prosper you. And that isn't just to make you money, that's for you to actually prosper in life, to actually reign over your emotions, to reign over your circumstances, to reign over finances. You're not dictated by your circumstances, but you get to dictate them because you get to prosper in this lifetime. God has purposes for you to prosper. He has purposes to give you hope and a future. And we believe that is gonna be one of the indicators is people stepping into their hope and their future that God has for them. You have a purpose and it is found in how you have been created. You were created for relationship and you were created for life and therefore you were created to be in a life-giving relationship with your Creator. One, I believe there's gonna be an increase in people as we expose the value of heaven. One of the indicators of this season is gonna be an increase in people. Two, there's gonna be an increase in life-giving relationships as people stop competing and start completing one another like they were created to. Three, there's gonna be an increase in people coming into life-giving relationships with God, being healed, being restored. And four, there's gonna be an increase in people stepping into their God-given purpose and coming alive because life flows from purpose.